there's not a lot of space in those first couple of years of marriage for all the baggage that you want to bring in. All those skeletons that you want to hide in the back of your closet. Like your spouse is going to discover those pretty quickly. You're not going to be able to hide it. There's not enough space to move around with all your baggage and luggage. So start working on ditching those bags now. Right now, wherever you're at, no matter if this is year 10 of marriage, whether this is month number one of dating, start focusing on becoming that right person for your spouse. All grown up. Hey everybody, this is Paul Angoni and you're listening to another episode of the All Grown Up Podcast where we talk about life in your 20s and your 30s, how incredibly hard, confusing, ambiguous, and exciting and important it is. Again, my name is Paul Angoni. If you haven't heard me before, I am the podcast host of the All Grown Up Podcast, which you are now listening to. Congrats on that. I'm glad we're on the same page. Uh, and then as well, I'm the creator of allgrownup.com, which has been alive on the internet for over a decade, which in internet years, that makes it about 135 years old, uh, give or take a year or two. I'm also the author of four published books, a few other books that just exist on my computer, but four published ones that people can read. Books like 101 Secrets for Your 20s, 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s, my newest book, 25 Lies, 20-somethings Need to Stop Believing. Well, let's get right into it today. And uh, with each episode of the All Grown Up Podcast, if this is your first time listening, we take a secret, we take a question, we take a lie, and that's the episode. Today, I want to talk about, gosh, I don't know, if I think it's part secret, part question, part lie. I think it's all of it, all of the above, because I want to talk about the myths of marriage. And if we're talking about one of the most important, hardest confusing, ambiguous decisions that you can make in your 20s and 30s or beyond, it's who am I going to marry? How does marriage work? And how do I have a healthy marriage? Because we can all choose to marry somebody, and many of us do. We just choose to marry somebody, and yet maybe it wasn't the best choice. So whether you're dating right now, whether you're engaged, whether you've been married 10 years, 13 years like I have, I think this episode's for you because I just want to talk about how to how to have a healthy marriage. And I want to talk about some of the myths that get in the way. So let's get to it. Let's just get right to a myth that uh, that I think is a really important one to start on. And I know a lot of us begin here is that the marriage is all about finding the one. And even when we talk about the one, we whisper, I think I found the one. You know, it's like we don't want to, we don't want to say it too loud. We might scare it away like it's this beautiful deer out in the forest. And I think I found the one, but I don't want to scare it away. Or it might scamper off to, to frolic with another deer or, or something like that. Or it's like we're, you know, on this magical chase to find the, the gold at the end of the rainbow. Like it feels like this treasure map hunt. And if we take one right turn instead of the left turn or we read the map wrong, like we're going to miss it. We're not going to find the one. Because it's just the one out there and we have to keep searching for it and finding it and going on every website and every bar and every church service or whatever we want to do to find the one because it's out there. But I think that's all wrong. I think that's a myth. And really what I want to get to on this myth is that I think we should stop focusing so much about finding the one and start focusing on being the right one for whom we marry. And again, I think this applies for whether you're dating, whether you've been married for a while, we all should be focused on this truth of how do I be the right one for the person I marry? And really to find the one, 
I think the most successful strategy to do that is to stop looking, is to get off the frantic search, get get away from the treasure map, the, the gold at the end of the rainbow kind of thought, and just start focusing on being the right one. Start focusing on healing from all your stuff, healing from your insecurities, your fears. I know for myself, I kept dating girls that were the wrong one. And, and I kept asking myself, why, why are these girls so insecure? Or why do they seem so unsure of themselves or what they want out of this life? Why do I keep dating girls like this? And I didn't realize, because I was young and immature, that I kept dating girls that were insecure because I was insecure. And I was dating girls that were unsure of their path or what they wanted to do because I was unsure of my path and what I wanted to do. So I kept looking for that relationship to bring clarity to my life when that hardly ever works. This person is not going to complete you. And and that's another myth, that that marriage is not going to complete you. And I think we all know this. I mean, it came from... I think famously first really became in the forefront in the movie Jerry Maguire, if you haven't seen that in a while, a classic 90s movie. Uh, I think 90s, right? Yeah. But there's that scene where, where Jerry busts into Renee Zellweger and he's, you know, they, they're on the cusp of breaking up. They're working it all out. And he comes in he, this tearful, very emotional scene where he says, you complete me. You complete me. Nah, that's not going to work. Because your spouse is not A, uh, a magic genie, a B, a magical unicorn, C, God, uh, they're D, a human being with their own faults and flaws and problems and insecurities. So they're not going to complete you and you're not going to complete them. Really, I think that's God territory is able to do that, but I don't think your spouse will do that. And I think that sets up so much unnecessary expectations that will never be met. Your spouse will never fill that void. And I think a lot of us go into marriage feeling that way too. Like, well, once I get married, then I won't be insecure anymore because I'll have my spouse. So why do I need to be insecure about the way I look or the way I act or the way I feel? Uh, because that, that spouse is going to heal all that for me. No, no, they're not. You know, really what your spouse is going to do is they're going to kind of put a flame to all that stuff. All those impurities, they're going to put a flame to that because when you're living together in a small apartment, for many of us, I know for my wife and I, it was that. If, especially if you live in Southern California like we were, you're going to be living in a small apartment because you can't afford anything else. So I, I'm constantly telling people, like, there's not a lot of space in those first couple of years of marriage for all the baggage, all the luggage that you want to bring in, all those skeletons that you want to hide in the back of your closet. Like, your spouse is going to discover those pretty quickly. You're not going to be able to hide it. There's not enough space to move around with all your baggage and luggage. So start working on ditching those bags now. Right now, wherever you're at, no matter if this is year 10 of marriage, whether this is month number one of dating, start focusing on becoming that right person for your spouse. They're not going to complete you. They're not going to heal your insecurities. Start working on that for yourself. And then something magically happens. Let's say you are dating or you're looking to date or you're trying to find the one is that when you stop looking, when you stop focusing on this search and you start focusing on, okay, how do I become that better person? Well, you know what? Then all of a sudden that, that person is there. Through that, that job that you've signed up for, that hobby or that nonprofit or that church service or whatever, like that, that person's there because right 
attracts right. And the more right you are, I feel like the more right your relationship's going to be. Because again, you're not looking for that other person to complete you, to make you magically whole. And I think your spouse, they don't complete you. No, I think a good spouse challenges you to work on your incompleteness. So they are a part of the process. Obviously, we're not going to just be healthy and whole the moment we step into marriage. They're going to help you work on your incompleteness. You know, like that gold miner. You know, and with the flame, you know, bringing out the imperfections. That's the word I was looking for. Or impurities and imperfections. I put those two together. That didn't work. Imperfections, impurities. They're bringing those out. They're bringing those out. And sometimes that's not easy. Sometimes it's a little painful. But like a gold miner, they're bringing the gold to the surface. They're helping you work on that. And that's what a good spouse does. They don't complete you. They help work on your incompleteness. And I think that ties into another lie that, um, sorry, I got out of breath. (laughs) I'm not in podcast shape right now. I'm getting a little out of breath. What's wrong with me? I guess I got a little excited. Uh, I've been eating some almonds in between takes. No, sorry, there hasn't been takes. This is just one take. Let's be honest. You can probably guess that. What's another myth? I would say another myth is that married people know what they're doing. Married people know what they're doing. I remember when I would go to weddings as a young 20-something. You know, you go through that marriage season where you're like, all your friends start getting married. And uh, you're there and you're looking at this couple and it just seems like, wow, those are two people who know what they're doing. Like it's magical. And then you get married and you're standing up there and you realize that you don't have a freaking clue what you're doing. Like you're no different than you were the day before. Uh, you're not going to be that much different than the day after. You know, you're just, it's one day. It's a part of the process. Like the, the wedding, we, we build so much up into the wedding, into this one magical day. And it is great and it is magical and it's a day unlike any other, but it's just one day. And so for many years of marriage, it's going to feel like you're playing house. I don't know if you ever played house as a kid. I know I did, you know, where you put on your dad's suit that's way too big for you, put on your mom's dress that's way too long for you, and you play house, you play pretend of this is what it's like to be married. And really, that's not that far off from those first couple years of marriage. Because you don't know what it's like to be married. You don't know how to act as a married person. Yes, you can read the books. Yes, you can take the classes. Yes, you can meet with counselors and mentors, which I'm all for all those things. Yet, You won't really know what it's like to be married until you're married. So if it feels like you don't really know what you're doing, or if it feels like, well, everybody else knows what it's like to be married, or they have it all figured out, like they're, uh, they, they don't have problems, or it looks so magical for them. No, it's not. They're just making it up. And they're just maybe making it look a little prettier on Instagram than you are. Uh, they're using more filters. And that's okay. You know, because there's there's not a lot of people that are getting in a fight with their spouse, you know, you're yelling, arguing, and then they're like, hold on, let's 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 take a picture of this to document this for Instagram. This incredible moment of this argument, because it's so real and raw. No, I think that's the last thing people are thinking about in that moment. But it's okay if you don't have it all figured out. That's normal. Nobody does. And again, year 13 of marriage, I, I have more figured out than I did, but I also know how much I don't know. And I'm constantly working at becoming a better spouse, becoming a better dad. Um, It's not always easy. It's not always simple. And I'd always do it right. 
But that's part of being married. That's part of the process. Because as you're married, you know, marriage doesn't just define you. You also define it. You also define what marriage is. And, and in that regard, I think this is maybe another myth, myth in a way. But we talk about marriage that marriage is work. Well, I think that's partially true, but I think it's also a myth. Like marriage isn't work. Because typically we have work as a negative connotation, which actually I think work can be amazing, especially if it's purposeful, meaningful work. I love the work I do. So it doesn't have a negative connotation to me. So, But marriage is something that you work at, but I don't think marriage is work. And I think we have to be careful about the metaphors that we make it. Because the metaphors that we use to describe our marriage will have a lot of power in identifying how we view marriage. So if you're just constantly saying, well, marriage is work, and I'm just like taking my lunch pail to the office, and I'm working at this, and I don't like it, I don't love it, I'm just going to put in my time, because marriage is work. I don't think that's the best uh, expectation or, or vision for marriage. You know, what if instead you were saying, well, marriage is an adventure. Mar- marriage is a grand exploration. Marriage is a process. Marriage is, you know, whatever, whatever metaphor that feels right. And maybe even think about that in your own life, whether you're dating engaged, married, what's the metaphor for your marriage? Um, you know, because it's going to be part business. It's going to be part um, lovers, part friends, part, I mean, there's lots of parts, part parents together. There's going to be a lot of facets to your marriage. But I don't think marriage is just work. I think you work at aspects of your marriage, but I don't think marriage in itself is work. Let's be careful about the, the metaphors that we make marriage. So we've done a lot of myths so far. You know, that marriage is not just about finding the one or marriage doesn't complete you or married people know what they're doing. They don't. Um, that marriage is work or we got to be careful about the metaphors that we make marriage. But let's get to let's get to a few more. Um, let's do this one. That This is a little bit of a, a marriage myth. It's also a relationship myth that um, that opposites attract. You know, we, we talk about the magnets, the opposite magnets, they attract each other and they stick. I think this is partially true. Like, I don't think, obviously, your, your spouse is not going to mimic you. You're going to be different people. Like, there's going to be some opposite factors. And, and those opposite factors really do help each other. Especially if your spouse is, is strong and in parts that you're weak. I think that can be very beneficial and very helpful in building a more complete relationship and family unit. Um, where you can... Uh, complement each other in different ways. I think my problem with the idea that opposites attract is I don't think you should be opposite in your values or in your vision, again, for what you want your marriage to look like, to be like. And have you even had these conversations? Again, whether you've been married for years or whether you're just getting started, have you had these conversations about, okay, what are my core soul values? Again, what are my five soul values that, that I know are so important to me? And then what are what is the person I'm dating, my spouse, what is their soul values? What's most important to them? And again, this is an incredible exercise just to, for, your, for your own benefit, but also in the, in the construct of a relationship, because I think a lot of tension, a lot of conflict comes from opposing soul values. And, and it's not like either value is wrong or bad. They just have not been identified as opposing values. So again, opposites don't necessarily attract. So let's say you have a value for risk and your spouse has a value for security. 
Well, neither value is necessarily bad or wrong, but they could be opposing and in conflict with each other. Because if you have one, one member of the relationship that wants to constantly change jobs every two years and go and, and take big chances and travel and take these risks and chances, and the other spouse wants to have a comfortable, steady job where they go to the same job every day, every year, well, that's going to be in conflict of each other. So I think at least we have to recognize where our opposites are. And I do think it is more beneficial if you have some similarities on some of these core soul values in your vision for your life. And again, faith is a big part of that too. You know, if faith is a big part of your life, then I think it is important that your spouse has that component as well. I know for my wife and I, our faith in God and our relationship with Jesus has really played a huge part in drawing us together. It's something that we can both fall back on and rely on. And we know that that is a huge integral part of our relationship. That is the core that's holding us together that we can always fall back on that. So even if we have those differences or, or those opposite moments where we're uh, more exploding off each other than we are uh, bringing each other together, we have s- some big, deeper wells that we can draw from. So we at least have to be cognizant of our opposites and are they attracting or are they just kind of one giant explosion waiting to happen all the time? And maybe that's not the best way to start or to have a healthy marriage. I'd say another myth, and a lot of this is coming from uh, my books, 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s and 101 Secrets to Your 20s, just so I get that uh, citation in there uh, as I'm uh, going against the copyright of myself. But but I am pulling from those books uh, in a lot of this. But another myth is that your spouse is your best friend. And I'm sure people are even hearing that are like, what? Like, of course your spouse is your best friend. Like, that's not a myth. Well, let me make the argument that I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice when we are describing our spouse as our best friend. Because I know for myself, and I think my wife did this too, is you start, especially the first couple years of marriage, you start comparing your spouse, your spouse to your best friends. So the friendships that you've had for years, that you've culminated, this unique bond you have with certain friends, you start comparing your spouse to those friendships and you start thinking to yourself, at least I know I did and I think my wife did this too, of, well, why doesn't my husband or my wife, why don't they stay up and talk for four hours every night like I used to do with my best friend? Or why does my wife not go out and, you know, drink beers and go go to the ball game like my best friend does. Like, I, I need that because my spouse is supposed to be my best friend. Well, no, I, I, I think your spouse is in an own, it's in an own friendship category. Your spouse is like this uber special friendship relationship. And so I think we have to be careful not to try to make our spouse into our current best friendships. Like, no, just, just keep your best friends. Keep those friendships. Those friendships are important. You shouldn't get rid of those. And have your spouse fill every little bucket and void and personality that you need. No, you need other people in your life. So keep those best friendships. Keep those friendships because they bring something really important. You know, it's just like coffee and wine. They both taste great. They're both delicious. But they're both for very different times of the day. If you're drinking wine in the morning and coffee at night, well, you're going to have a messed up sleeping schedule, my friend. So it's just like your spouse. Your spouse might be a great fine wine, but they might not be the coffee at times. They might not be the the water or the lemonade or whatever. Like have the other friendships in your life and just know that your spouse is its own elite friendship. So it's going to be different 
than your other friendships. Because you're going to form your own unique relationship with each other and a, a unique friendship that's going to be far different than any other friendships you've had. Because in, in, in another way, you didn't have to spend that much time with your other friends. I mean, maybe you saw your friends in a class or you lived together for a little bit, but like your spouse, you're doing life together. You know, your other friends, you weren't doing finances together. You didn't have a budget with a lot of your other friends. So there's more intricate, complex, uh, intense moments of marriage that will form even a stronger friendship, but it's going to look very different than your current friends. And let's go to one last myth as we wrap this up. That marriage is a one-time thing. I would say this is a myth, that marriage is a one-time thing. Like getting married is, it, we feel like it's this one-time thing, like I'm going to get married on my wedding day, and then I'm married, and then that's over. Well, you not only choose your spouse on your wedding day, you have to choose your spouse every day thereafter. So marriage is not a one-time thing. I had, I had a mentor, I mentioned my mentor many times, Ray Rude, and he used to always talk in class, you kind of joke about that he's been married seven different times to the same woman. And I never quite understood what he meant by that until I got married and I, I've understood it more and more. And he's basically describing that marriage is not static. Marriage changes. We all change. We all grow. We all adapt. We're all learning and becoming, uh, hopefully, more fully ourselves. But marriage is not a one-time thing. So you're growing into marriage as you're growing up into the person you, you're hoping to become. And so it's not static. And then also things like a crying baby comes into the picture or two crying babies or three or four, like my wife and I have. So now that we're parents of four, like obviously our marriage relationship, it looks a lot different than we were when we were dating, than when we were engaged, or even those first couple of years of marriage, like year 13 is coming up, four kids, it looks a lot different. And if we were trying to make our marriage look exactly like it did in year one with four kids, well, that would be impossible. And that would be unhealthy. If we were trying to spend as much time together as we did, alone time, well, gosh, then we'd never see our kids. And there's some days that maybe we'd be okay with that, but we love our kids and we love having them together. Um, but yeah, we just went to vacation together, uh, all four kids and my wife and I, one hotel room. You know, we don't, we're a little cheap. We don't like, we're not going to, two hotel rooms yet. That's like double the cost of vacation. One hotel room. So three of us each in a queen bed. And you don't get a great night's sleep, sleeping next to a, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. But, uh, you know, it's fun. It's memories. You're all doing it together. But again, it looks very different than honeymoon, you know, or that cruise my wife and I went on that first year of marriage looks very different vacation wise than that. Cause marriage isn't a one-time thing. It's constantly growing, changing, just as you're constantly growing and changing. So don't be worried. Don't, don't have those, those lies of, Oh, wow. Why? You know, we used to do this together. Oh, marriage was supposed to look like this. Again, get away from the supposed to's. There's no supposed to's in, in marriage. And also be careful. And this is maybe another just hint or piece of advice. Be, care be careful who you run to when you're going through the rocky waters of marriage. Be careful what harbor you're running to. Be careful who you're getting marriage advice from. And I think a lot of times it could be our own parents. We want to run to our parents, run to mom or dad when we're having problems on a relationship. Obviously, you need to have mentors in your life, guides, but be careful who you're getting that advice from. And be careful who you're relying on. 
to help make all those big decisions. If you're constantly going back to your dad or mom, uh, that could be problematic because obviously you need to leave your dad and mom in a way and, and cleave, join together with your spouse and make those decisions together. And if you're going through a rocky waters, you don't run and, and go get advice from your mom or dad all the time. You you stay and you talk it through with your spouse. It's very important because as mar- marriage is changing, as marriage is growing, like you need to do that together. And if you're constantly going and get marriage advice from people that have a really unhealthy marriage, well, maybe that's not the best way to get advice. So we could go on and on. I love talking about relationships, marriage. Uh, Again, 13 years of marriage for my wife and I, uh, four kids. And here's some of the myths that I've learned along the way. And I'll I'll do more relationship podcasts as we go. But uh, hopefully this has been helpful, whether you've been dating, engaged, married. And let let me shout out to anybody who's engaged right now. Because engagement period, as we all know, is like the most weird part of a relationship. At least it was for me, like the strangest part. Because, I mean, when when in your life or relationship are you ever going to be engaged? It's like, you're not dating. Like, you're more serious than that. You've committed to be married, but yet you're not married. And then you're planning this huge one big event where every part of your world is going to come together and collide in this one huge day that you're going to spend all this money for and you have all these expectations. And, oh, my gosh, there's a little bit of pressure. So if you're shout out to all my engaged listeners out there, blessings to you. Marriage, it doesn't just define you. You define it. So what are you defining marriage with? Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Shortly after recording this podcast, I was uh, interrupted by two kids, and it seemed fitting to include it here at the end of this episode. Uh, 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 I got that one. Uh, uh. <laughs> you want to say something again? Ooh, yeah. Don't pull his hair. Don't poke Judah. Ooh, yeah.